0: Hello, night. this is Ewan Spence and ESC Insight calling. Let's go into the archives once more for coffee. Coming up on the show today, Kenneth McKellar some coffee and a mention of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome to the ESE Insight Podcast on this day where the BBC will have announced the shortlist for those cities looking to host the Eurovision Song Contest 2023 and no doubt we will have some coverage uh, on the main website as well but you know in a sort of "Mm, we've got to look ahead we don't know what's happening I thought we would go back to another time. ...of the United Kingdom at the Song Contest, specifically going back to 1966, where Kenneth McKellar represented the country. Kenneth McKellar passed away in 2010 at the age of 82, but like many performers at the Eurovision Song Contest, he's not forgotten. He's there in history books and recognised by many fans across the continent... ...and across the world. His appearance was notable for many reasons. His sense of style and bringing out the kilt and the tartan... ...delivered one of the weakest results for the United Kingdom... ...it has to be said in the first decade of the contest... ...but it was part of a long and successful career. Our friend Tony Curry over at Radio 6 International... ...was a good friend of Kenneth... ...and had him on his radio show many, many times over the years. And... uh, This interview is from 1983. Uh, It's from the Radio 6 International Archives. Uh, So we've got to thank Tony for giving us the keys to that one to hear a little bit more about the life of Kenneth McElroy after the song contest. Now, we should stress here, there isn't any mention... Of the song contest but given that there's always so much interest about careers as we've seen with duncan lawrence with modiskin with rosa lynn there's always that what happens next so this is very much a what happened next after eurovision in the 60s career-wise for someone who represented their country a little historical archive a little bit of color and flavor to a song contest past. so over to radio six international over to tony curry And over to Kenneth McKellar. This is the Tony Curry Wireless Show. Tony Curry. Wireless Show.
1: It's coffee time. Your own home service. This is Radio 6. Yes, indeed, it is time for coffee and joining me for coffee today. The coffee hasn't actually arrived yet, but joining me for it when it does arrive is Kenneth McKellar. Ken, welcome to Radio 6. Thank you. Thank you. You're lovely to be here. Coming along. Um, I said at the beginning of this programme that we were going to talk to you about music, but also about comedy, because when you and I first met, <laughs> and it's... <laughs> no, yesterday... Um, we were working together on the Kenneth McKellar show, which wasn't you standing there on the television <coughs> singing out grand songs in your inimitable style. It was um, a very different sort of program. It was a comedy show on Radio Clyde. Um, and I think that was my first introduction to, to working on radio comedy. Now, I, I think don't it th- was my first introduction <laughs> as well. <laughs> I don't think people necessarily associate you with comedy, so... Can you tell me a bit about, first of all, how that came about? And, and I know you've done a lot of comedy things that people aren't necessarily aware of.
2: Well, you know, um, you, you get into one sort of line of business. Uh, in my case, it wasn't even Scottish music. It was something quite different. Gradually, after I did my first television in 1953, uh, for which I had to borrow a kilt yeah, really? from Alec Carmichael down in Largs, Uh, I borrowed the kilt and that was the first step people thought well this is good you know here's someone who looks quite kind of like the monarch of the Glen with a kilt on and um, then I began to be pigeonholed like that but I had uh, quite a lot of other ideas about what I should be doing I never quite got round to them although on occasions uh, privately and at dinners and things like that I maybe. Persuaded to do things but um the show you're talking about was a matter of experience because clyde had just gone in the air that's right and if i remember rightly our music library was tiny and i brought all my own records
1: in that's right
2: sort of tapes of neville chamberlain at munich and it's coming back from munich and
1: i was never quite sure why neville neville chamberlain kept coming into it but he did it was a. <laughs> there was a. He had a bit of paper. Well, that was. He was always waving his bit of paper with "peace in our time." Well, that is absolutely the reason for it because
2: it struck me that this piece of paper which he kept waving. And he said it on the track, didn't he? He said something yes. about. Yep. Uh, I have this piece of paper and, which I hold in my hand. And so that was a running gag every year. It was something different on that piece of paper each time, whatever we decided we wanted to put on it, but. Um, I brought my own records in, and you you were roped into That was the other voice. ...to do Caribbean <laughs> accents and all kinds of... <laughs> and we had another a writer, uh, David McKellar. No relation. No relation, no. I always uh, thought that was a
1: strange coincidence. It was strange. And
2: he was English, too. Yes, he came from Brighton, I think. Uh, but I had seen some of the stuff he had done on television for... Morkum and Wise, yeah. and, and he wrote there.
1: for Frost too, didn't he? He, he, he was he was writing he for, for Frost, Frost at that yes. time. He wrote his radio thing That's uh, right. w- with others. Mm-hmm. The coffee's arrived. I'm oh, glad great. to say. I hope I hope you're getting. Oh no, I'm getting my coffee first. Oh. To say, I'll get my. Coffee. That's what thank you do to your guests, is it? If if, take know. take the coffee round. Thank yes, you very thank much. You. Yes, the coffee has arrived. I'm glad to say. But uh,
2: comedy, I've always been quite keen on it. I love to, and I've worked with uh, nearly all the English comedians and the Scots. And I've you've written. Thank for Mon- you very
1: much. You've written for Monty Python, haven't you?
2: Well, they, that was it. Turned out to
1: be for Monty Python uh, because I. But you say you say that far too modestly, Ken. I no. mean, not many people write for Python apart from the Python people themselves. Well,
2: it was Ian McNaughton who uh, I sent an idea I had to John Cleese because I thought he was great and all the stuff they did. And uh, Ian McNaughton, who was producing it. Wanted me to come on and and actually perform the thing with them. Really? But I, yeah. But well,
1: why, why didn't you? I, but I thought not. It's stretching things a little far. Oh, really, to do that? Why not? That would have been. That really would have been something else. It would have been something else.
2: <laughs> it involved a, a sort of boxing match during which one of the contestants was blindfolded, and they had to guess who was hitting him. And of course, he couldn't guess because he was knocked out always. <laughs> And it was a sort of catch twenty two thing, and they actually did it. They did it on the show, and then they did it on the Secret Policeman's Ball. which was filmed. I oh. think Richard Baker was the one who was knocked out. <laughs> or, sorry, I think that's who did it. I've forgotten.
1: <laughs> have you Have you written any other comedy for people that we don't know about? Uh, You're not secretly secretly writing jokes for the two Ronnies.
2: No, no. I not. They've. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Barker is tops to me, he's a two, two creative comedians i have worked with both of them one's Ronnie Barker and the other is Les Dawson who actually create comedy out of their own heads yes, a that... lot of others get writers to do it and they have to of course, the pressure they're working under but uh, to actually create gags and situations Ronnie Barker can do it and so can Les
1: yes there are, there are two kind of totally different schools of, of, of comedy. We have the 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 people who are sometimes not actually funny in real life, or indeed, the minute they're off the screen and away from the script, they're not funny people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Ricky Fulton, for example, falls into that category. Ricky's a very serious man, and yet he, he gets marvellous material and can make it... Yes hilariously funny. That's true. But he is not somebody who, who is life and soul of, of every party and no. constantly telling jokes. And, and yet, <laughs> as you say, uh, Ronnie Barker, Les Dawson, um, and Andy Cameron, in fact, is, is yeah. somebody who, who off, off stage can be very, very funny. Yes.
2: Another, uh, quite a unique one is Stanley Baxter, who works everything out very carefully. It's, everything's scripted and he leaves nothing to chance. But get him off stage, at home, when you're having a meal and everything, he would have you rolling about on the floor. He's so funny, as a person. But he he never sort of reveals that part uh, on television
1: or on radio. It's it, One thing that fascinates me, Ken, actually, is the number of... I mean, you, you, you were saying there that you, you were... You find Not yourself being be. pigeonholed as, as the, the
2: well, to a certain extent, to a
1: certain extent, as as a Scots singer, possibly because you are very, very good at it. Um, but Moira's in the same position. Moira Anderson, um, she is kind of people see her in a certain light. Yeah. Now Moira said the same thing that she would love she would love to do a, a television sitcom. She'd love to do situation comedy. Yeah. But she won't, because nobody will will associate. Do you think maybe, um, particularly television, put people far too much into categories? They say, you know, oh, there's Moira Anderson, Scottish singer. There's, well, yes, they do. Cleese comedy. Why do they do that, though?
2: Well, they do it in this country because, I mean, I've made about 40 LPs. I would say about 60% of them are non-Scottish. Uh, I go abroad. I look to see what they're playing on the radio and so on. And at ten to one, it's Handelarias that I've done, or it's musical comedy or opera records, or something not necessarily Scottish. But when I get back here, uh, someone says I want a record by Kenneth McKellar. It's on BBC, if I may mention that name on here. You mention everything uh, you like. And that. immediately the producers, you see, will take the easy way out there. They'll just pick up. Oh, it's a Scottish one, and on it goes. And so I keep hearing the same tracks because they have them to hand, yes. and they can put them on. But uh, that only happens really in this country. That's strange. Mm. It's the
1: old, it's the old uh, you know, prophet in his own land kind of thing. Well,
2: it's uh, I think in the same reason, the same reason for the same people appearing all the time mm. on radio and television. And from a producer's point of view you can see the reason. He simply says, I need so and so to do such and such a thing and someone lives around the corner and gets
1: mm. the job. Mm. Uh, it's understandable. But it's it certainly <laughs> it, it it discriminates against new talent oh, yes. coming up. Um we're talking of comedy and, and sort of linking it with, with, with records, I've got one of your records on, on the turntable here because I can't resist playing it. In fact, I've been humming this wee tune to myself uh, since I got up this morning. Um, it's about a certain particular insect, isn't it? Yes. Tell us. The dragonfly you written. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. No, it's something, no, it's no,
2: no. something very Scottish. Uh, if you speak to people anywhere in the world, they'll say... you been in Scotland last summer and it was lovely and we had a bit of sunshine but we tried to have a picnic down on the beach at Alloa or somewhere and we really had to get back in the car because we were eaten alive by midges and I heard this all the time and uh, the show I do up in Oban we have a piper, Torquil Telfer who plays for about 20 minutes before the show and there he is marching up and down playing the pipes and uh, he comes in sometimes with his knees all bitten and round his neck. And, of course, he oh. can't take his hands off the pipes. Oh! And he's got a thaw it. And I thought, well, there must be some kind of song here. And there's never been a song about the midges. And I say to him, and I've written one, and I hope you find it up to scratch. Oh! <laughs>
1: Let, let's hear it before you crack any more gags.
3: The midges, the midges. I'm no The midges is really the limit With teeth like piranhas They drive you bananas If you let them get under your summit. The Lord put the Garden of Eden on Earth And it's north of the Tweed, we believe Aye, Scotland's the place And the whole human race started off With Macadam and Eve in six days or under, he finished this wonder, except for the fourth and Tay Bridges. Then always a bloke for a practical joke. He made Scotland the home of the midges. Oh, the midges, the midges, I'm no gone to The midges is really the limit. With teeth like bananas, they drive you bananas if you let them get under your cement. Back in 1314, the proud Edward was keen to take Scotland into his care. But he made a U-turn when he reached Bannockburn just a few weeks before Glasgow Fair. For the midges let loose by King Robert the Bruce Straight into the English couture So they ran off in tears And for 600 years they've been blocking the 74 Oh, <laughs> the midges, the midges I'm no gonna The midges is really the limit With teeth like piranhas They drive you bananas If you let them get under your cement Get when the sun's going to set and the midges arise and loch heck. Like the vampires you see played by Christopher Lee, they will give you a pin in the neck. You can smack them and whack them, and vain. you'll attack them, for they know every move that you make. If you manage to kill you, another half million are ready to counter the wake. Oh the midges, the midges, some no gaunty kidges. the midges is really the limit. With teeth like piranhas, they drive you bananas if you let them get under your cement. Now talk all the pipers, a giant of a man with a sparring as long as your arm. And in Oban, he's known for the sound of his drone and a peabrook of real Highland charm. But they sighing and sobbing, the ladies of Oban. for talk was well, not what he was. Since a midge in Glenbranter got hold of his chanter and carried it off in his jaws. Oh, is the midge of no. Kedges, the midges, is really the limit. With teeth like piranhas, they drive you bananas. If you let them get under your cement.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, the, I that rhyme. I'm no going yes. to kids. to rhyme with midges. How long did it take you to think of a rhyme for midges? Uh, I wrote them all down first, and there was some... <laughs>
2: that certainly couldn't be included. Uh, All right. But
1: uh, I, I forgot what they were actually, but they were dropped just a smell. You you're uh, you're making records in Scotland now, I yes. notice. I notice, from the, the Lismore label after years and years and years of being with Decca. Hmm. Um what what made you come come back north of the border to make records? Was there a specific uh, reason for that?
2: Well, um one reason was that the Decca Record Company, as I knew it and had been with it for 25 years making a lot of records, eh, broke up. Uh, the people who had been concerned with making records either retired or were sacked when it was taken over by um, Polydor. And so it's broken into two or three different parts now. There's Decca International who still release some of my records, and Polydor, who release another type like The Messiah and some of the classical stuff. So the record company is quite broken up. To start again recording with them, one would have to form new relationships, and uh, when my contract had come to an end with them, Lismore came and asked me if I would like to do one, and so I go home. Do it and it's in Glasgow and it's uh, Scottish musicians and uh, Scottish company trying to get off the ground which they have now done uh, they've been putting out some very good and very kind of specialist things
1: yes because we, we were earlier we were playing the the Ali Bain fiddle album that's just yes. come
2: out. and there's a lovely one uh, by Rona Mackay uh, with the, the class and she sings. that you know, she just lives around the corner from here. Yes, uh, and that's a beautiful record. It'll never be a great commercial success in the pop sense, but it's it's going to be added to a lot of collections of people. But she does it beautifully.
1: Yeah, one. I mean, one thing that we've we've talked about often on this program with all sorts of different people, uh, they've all said much the same thing, and that is, what a shame it is. That the record industry has changed the way it has. At one time, um, a lot of Scottish artists would find themselves on the books of, of London based and, and thence international record companies. Now it's, it's very different indeed. Um, and I think really, Lismore and two, in a, in a somewhat different direction, Club, are the only two companies who are still making very much a, a, a policy of producing. Scottish music, not just traditional but, but but present day but what is it, I mean, it, has there been a, a shift in public taste against this kind of material? I, 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 see, I don't believe that that's the case I think that the, the Some, record companies are trying to con us into believing that
2: But Someone else said this to me, in fact I was in Chicago about uh, over the winter and uh, I was asked this in a radio interview had the record companies gone off making Scottish records and I said, No, they they haven't. Really. But most of them, uh their outgoings and their cash flow, if you like to use that one well, term.
1: It's such that
2: It's always out and it doesn't come in. <laughs> it, well that that's exactly why they're they're in the pop market. They can mm-hmm. knock together uh, pop records, spend so much on them, if they see them catching on, it, then they'll make a video and so on i haven't got around to that yet <laughs> I was just thinking about it the midge's <laughs> the, mind, the mind boggles the midge's inspires a video i'm sure oh it does yes but uh, it's turnover. over they've got to depend on something that can turn over and get the money back in 6 weeks mm-hmm. whereas my lp for example there's other lots of other artists who could say the same thing or songs of the hebrides we made it in 1950 9 or 58. Now, it's just been deleted. And it's been on sale all over the world. All that time.
1: Record companies aren't talking like that nowadays. Mm. It's got to be a quick return. That's right. It's a shame, though, because it's it's depriving us of so much material. that, yeah. that I mean, because... You say that your, your songs of the Hebrides has just been deleted, but the fact is, it has now been deleted. Yes. So it's not there anymore. You can't go out and get it.
2: Uh, well, they still have stocks of it at mm-hmm. Decca if you wanted to get it. But I'm faced now with the question: Will I remake it
1: mm-hmm. and and improve on the material that's in it? Because mm. I notice, in fact, on, on Highland Journey, which is your most recent, movie, yeah. there are things like you Tramping Song and Mary's Wedding. That although that's in a medley.
2: Oh, these are Hugh Robertson songs. Mm-hmm. I, I mean the Marjorie Kennedy oh, Fraser collection. Oh, Kennedy Fraser things, yeah. yes,
1: yes. Like what, uh, Sky Boat Song was, was one of them, wasn't it? No,
2: the Sky, that, Sky was, Boat was, was Song was is published by Cramer, That's a different one. They did things like Eriske uh, Love Lilt, mm. The Road to the Isles, that whole collection. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think there's a market for that to be done properly not with
1: a sort of uh, electric guitars and all that yes. stuff but uh, or 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 a synthesizer cause yeah that seems to be the universal panacea is a synthesizer if you have no money for an orchestra sling in a synth it's not yeah. very well but it's it's not necessarily suitable for the kind of thing that you would be doing
2: not really because you can't disguise it however good sound reproduction it gives it's not authentic mm-hmm. and you can
1: tell mhm um, time is, is running away with us, but before you go, um, I want to touch on another wee area. Because um, you, you've you sort of moved camp, as it were, a bit. You're, you're now often to be found around the Oban district, aren't you? Uh,
2: yeah, We have a wee house up there. Yes, because yeah.
1: yes, you were looking around for a long time for, for, right. for something up for there. for at least ten years. You spend a lot of time up there now. Yeah. Uh, you work in, in Oban. Is it, you're based there all summer, aren't you?
2: I have been for the last five years, I think, yes. Um,
1: what made you move?
2: Well, we're still in Glasgow, yes. eh? It's just we go up there now and again. It's that sort of environment up there. I wouldn't say that one vegetates exactly, but I spend a hell of a lot of time in the garden,
1: so I may vegetate. I may take root there. <laughs> Yes, well, just beware of the midges. That's, <laughs> yes. that's, that's the thing to worry about. I thought we'd close with a, 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 a wee song called Leaving Lismore. Oh, yes. Um, which uh, you recorded. I, after, in fact, you, you came over and we, we were on Lismore and we had last That's right, it there. was lovely. And uh, after that you recorded this song. I remember um, uh, just after you recorded this, Ronnie um, Simpson from Lismore Records said to me he was very worried that this was your last track on the album. He, he wondered if it was a message of some sort. <laughs> Ken McKellar, thanks for coming in today. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Same to you.
0: Cheers. Kenneth McKellar there, speaking to Tony Curry from Radio 6 International Originally recorded back in 1983. Again, thanks to the team at Radio 6 International for letting us head into the archives and find that little gem. Right, uh, Eurovision business will continue with the 2023 season uh, getting a little bit more of a pace. Where are we going next year? Well, we've hopefully got it narrowed down by the time you listen to this, or if not, it'll be in a few hours' time. And we've got Junior Eurovision coming up in December. All of that and more. The important September the 1st deadline for songs being allowed to release and the metaphorical start of our season is getting closer by the day, by the hour, by the minute. ESCinsight.com. You can listen to all our podcasts there. You can follow us uh, in your favourite app, your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, your Google Podcasts, all of that and more for a roller coaster ride that will live on forever and ever and ever. Catch you next week. To for now. Cue the guitars. This week's ESC Insight chat over coffee was courtesy of Radio 6 International, hosted by Tony Curry and introduced by Ewan Spence. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and radiosix.com